everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Franica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies and your host for the program. We are up to episode 52 of season two. Not really sure when we're supposed to switch over to season three of the Grizz Weekly Grind, but we just keep piling on episode after episode. I'm back after uh, some travels and uh, some interesting experiences, so I'll tell you about that uh in today's show. Also, our friend of the program is a repeat friend of the program. Everybody in Memphis knows who he is, John Hollinger, former basketball executive for the Memphis Grizzlies, currently writing for The Athletic. We will talk about how to survive summer league, what is going on with the Memphis Grizzlies, and what is going on with the Kevin Durant situation in Brooklyn, and we'll also touch on some league-wide issues as well. So, John Hollinger is our friend of the program. I've got a few things I want to get off my chest, but first we tell you the Grizz Weekly Grind is being brought to you, as always, by the Hoop City Basketball Club. Since 2005, their mission has been to assist young student-athletes in grades 1 through 12 in developing a strong work ethic with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Hoop City has helped young men be great on the court and in the community. Their alumni include major college and NBA players as well. Now, if you'd like some more information on how to become part of this great sports and character building club. All you have to do is log on to HoopCityBC.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at HoopCityBC. As they say, it's in our blood. It's who we are in Hoop City. Uh, They've been running basketball camps all summer long. There is one more remaining, and that will be August 1st through the 4th at Independent Presbyterian Church on Walnut Grove Road here in Memphis. You can register at HoopCityBC.com if you have questions. You can call Scott Robinson at 317-490-5948. That's 317-490-5948. Or you can reach out to him via email at hoopcitycamps at yahoo.com. And again, we really appreciate the ongoing support of Hoop City Basketball Club for the Grizz Weekly Grind. Well, uh, it's been a while since uh, I've been able to put an episode up. Been kind of busy. Been uh, doing some traveling. Coming back from Las Vegas. Do have to tell you that I I finally got around to going to the theater for the first time in I don't know three years I think, um, and and going to see Top Gun Maverick. Big fan of the movie when it came out in 1985, 86, whatever that is. That, that was about when I was coming out of college. Tell you how old I am, and uh, thoroughly enjoyed the movie. For those of you who don't know, I I'm a big aviation enthusiast. I do have my private pilot's license. Don't have my instrument rating yet, but uh, so I love to fly. Those of you who follow me on Twitter and have known me for a while, I got the opportunity to fly back seat with the Air Force Thunderbirds in an F-16 several years ago, pull 9.2 Gs, had all kinds of fun uh, with that experience. So the whole thing about Top Gun really resonates with me. And I know there was a certain amount of skepticism, maybe, uh, thinking about going to see this movie because it had been in the works for so long. Uh, what I do when I when I watch a movie, I will watch the movie in the theater, then I'll go home and I'll read the rec- Wikipedia entry for that film, find out a little bit more about the actors, find a little bit more out about the production of the film. And they were I think they were talking about a, a, a sequel or a follow-on to Top Gun as early as 2010. Um but they, but they never could quite get it going. One of the principals from the first movie, uh, Tony Scott, committed suicide. Even after they had started going down the road about what a, a sequel would be like. And just a, a lot of delays, a lot of issues. Then obviously COVID gets involved. 
And I, I was a little skeptical walking in there because Top Gun, the original, there, was, there wasn't a whole lot of weight to it. It was basically a Navy recruiting film. It was pretty cool. Uh, certainly very advanced for its time in terms of the flying sequences. So I was wondering just how much they were really going to, how much meat on the bone were they going to have with this particular movie? And it turned out to be, uh, you know, I, I sat through the movie and most of the movie, I was just thinking, this is a hell of a movie, far better than I thought that it would be. And it it, it is a very good film. I'm not going to give out any spoilers here. We do get to see Iceman who it turns out becomes Maverick's patron, essentially, and making sure that he still has a job in the Navy. What I, I, what I liked about this movie is that there was more character development. There was more drama. There were actually some gut-wrenching moments that were not airborne because you see Maverick. Maverick has not been promoted. He is still a captain. Pretty much everybody of his vintage that is still in the Navy would be of flag rank, i.e. Admiral, uh, and he is not. He is he has not been promoted <laughs> since the last Top Gun movie because he's been a little difficult to deal with. Uh, and you see him grapple with the different decisions that he has made in his life, not all of them good decisions. And, you know, as somebody... You know, my myself, I basically would be the age that Maverick would be in this movie. You do start looking at your life and where you have made good choices and where you have made less than good choices. And, and you see how that affects Maverick. And is Tom Cruise one of the greatest actors ever? I don't I don't know. Lifetime and lifetime achievement award, perhaps. I think he does a really good job. And Jennifer Connelly, as his love interest, is, is very, very good. And again, we get to see Val Kilmer. Uh, John Hamm is in there. Love John Hamm. Fantastic actor. Really good guy. St. Louis Cardinals fan, I guess. Um, Ed Harris is in there as well. So it's really well cast. And you get the Harold Faltermeyer Top Gun anthem going. And then you get Hans Zimmer with some of the music. And you realize this is this is really, really good. There's a Lady Gaga song in there. Uh, a lot of people weren't really fans of that, um, but be that as it may. Look, good film, better than what I thought it would be when I walked into the theater. I walked in a skeptic. I came out a believer. So if you haven't seen Top Gun yet, do yourself a favor. Go see it. If you're of my vintage and you saw the original back in the 1980s, this is this is at least twice as good, maybe even three times as good. Also had, had the opportunity to spend some time with my uh, my favorite person in the world in uh, in Chicago. Great city. A little cooler than it is in Memphis. Uh, we sat outside for dinner on Friday night and it's like, my God, this is this is what this is what a summer night should feel like. Meanwhile, in Memphis, heat indices 105 and uh, it's 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 not been pleasant. It's not been pleasant. I want to I want to go outside. I have this great backyard. I got this great patio. It's too stinking hot to go out there. Uh, came back from Chicago, and I had I had accepted an invitation from the Grizzlies to go to the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame banquet last Saturday night in Nashville. Um, Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame, great organization. Uh, they've got displays inside Bridgestone Arena. They had not had an awards banquet in three years, 37 months to be precise. So they basically inducted three sets of, of Hall of Famers, three classes of Hall of Famers. Uh, 
20, 21, and 22. Uh, the other thing, too, is that they give out other awards, and the reason that the Grizzlies asked me to be there was the Grizzlies won the award for Best Professional Sports Franchise in the state of Tennessee, and John ja Morant won Best Male Professional Athlete. Ja was not going to be there. Uh, obviously, Robert Perra and you know the, the Grizzlies uh, management was not going to be there, and uh, so they said, hey, we want somebody who would be well-spoken, be a good representative of the organization. Will you please come to the dinner, and you can accept the awards on behalf of the Grizzlies and on behalf of John Moran. Well, because there was the induction of three Hall of Fame classes, Mike Keith, longtime great voice of the Tennessee Titans, was the MC. said, we're not having any speeches tonight. So, okay, well, no, no speeches. But I got up, to, got up and uh, accepted a couple of trophies, shook the hand of Phil Fulmer, who is the uh, president of, of the Hall of Fame right now, uh, and good time had by all. Very nice that we had some Grizzlies representation. What's interesting about this, and this is, this is not a criticism of the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame by any stretch of the imagination, but there is no Memphis Grizzly in the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame. Elliot Perry was inducted in 2009. I, th- I mean, primarily, you, you can't say he was a Memphis Grizzly, but I, I think he was primarily uh, brought into the Hall of Fame or inducted into the Hall of Fame because of his career with the Memphis Tigers. Penny Hardaway, also a member of the Hall of Fame, again, as a member of the Memphis Tigers. No Memphis Grizzly. And I understand the Grizzlies have only been in Memphis since 2001, but nobody from the core four in the Hall of Fame. Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame. It'll be interesting to see, and we actually had this conversation as we sat around the dinner table. It's like, okay, well, there are no Grizzlies in the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame. Who should be the first? And I think the consensus was that it would be Zach Randolph, just as he was the first one to have his number retired. Um, and, And the fact that Zach still is a representative of the franchise still an ambassador for the franchise comes to Memphis. I don't know. If, I don't know if Zach has a home in Memphis or not. But in any event, I, th- I think he. If there's going, whoever the first Memphis Grizzly to be honored and to be inducted into the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame, I- I'm thinking it needs to be Zach Randolph. That would make the most sense to me. Of the core four, I think that's the guy. Probably when you think of about what he did on the court, what he did off the court, and how big he was in the Memphis community. I think that uh, I think that Zach Randolph probably would be that guy. We'll wait and see. There will be another banquet in uh, the summer of 2023, and uh, we'll we'll see if there is a uh, if there is a Grizzly or somebody with uh, Grizzlies connections who ends up in the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, on the Grizzlies front, everything's very very quiet right now. The uh, the only bit of news really to report is that Desmond Bain became a father for the first time. So shout out Desmond Bain, congratulations to him. Um, guys are working out, hopefully uh, working on their games and getting uh, ready for uh, training camp, which will start at the end of September. The Grizzlies will have preseason games the first couple weeks of October, and then you get into the the heart of October, and that's when the season is going to start. For those of you who are wondering when the schedule will be released, there's been no date that has been uh, at least publicly shared when the schedule will come out. Based on past history, I'm thinking the schedule comes out somewhere around mid-August. 
So we're still probably about uh, three weeks away from uh, getting the NBA schedule, figuring out what's going to happen. Uh, I think the question that is on everybody's mind, will the Grizzlies finally get a Christmas Day game? Uh, I don't have any inside knowledge one way or the other, but I think that it is certainly plausible that the Grizzlies could end up playing on Christmas Day. Uh, It seems to me Grizzlies, Warriors, Christmas Day certainly could happen. Uh, More than likely, that that, that may well be out in Oakland. And just given the way that it, it seems like the NBA, the schedules aren't a duplicate year after year after year. But it, from time to time, you will see that it seems like we go to the same cities at the same time of year. Would not surprise me. Grizzlies, of course, uh, were uh, that played uh, Golden State what, on the 23rd of December last year and then played in Sacramento on the 26th of December. So it, it could be two years in a row where the Grizzlies are having Christmas in San Francisco. That might be the case. May not be the case. I don't know. But it'll be very intriguing to find out how many national TV games the Grizzlies get. And, uh, and again, just for those of you who are interested in this, um, the exclusivity of TNT games, if, if the Grizzlies are on TNT with the exclusion of MLK Day, which they've always given us a pass on, TNT has ex- exclusivity for up to six games. So if TNT takes, say, eight Grizzlies games, six of those are going to be exclusive to TNT. We can go side by side with the other two. Grizzlies... Uh, typically have gone side-by-side whenever there's been an ESPN telecast or an NBA TV telecast. So uh, very interested to see how many games go to TNT, how many go to to ESPN, and how all that plays out. But again, we're probably not going to get any information on that. Uh, Probably for, I would say, I'm going to guess about three weeks. Mid-August is probably pretty good ballpark when we'll finally get the 22-23 NBA schedule. And before we get to our friend of the program, who is John Hollinger today from The Athletic, we tell you that the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. Tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, fuel your fandom, feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to, are you ready for this? Up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in you can throw down on all the major action baseball golf mma and more plus with same game parlay spreads money lines overs unders props your betting options are endless like i said you can you can bet anything now don't forget you've got the big ufc 277 pay-per-view coming up saturday night the world bantamweight championship you've got juliana pena amanda nunes that's going to be a fantastic matchup You can go ahead. You can bet that. You want to bet baseball. Preseason football is right around the corner. So all of it, you can do a DraftKings Sportsbook. And best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Wyoming. In Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado or New Hampshire, 1-800-522-4700. In Connecticut, 
888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Louisiana, 1-877-770-STOP. In New York, 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That number is 467-369. In Oregon, visit opgr.org. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or in Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. You must be 21 or older, 18 or older in the state of Wyoming. You must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit is required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And now, back to the show. A friend of the program, you know him well if you are a uh, fan of the Memphis Grizzlies or if you read about the NBA all the time. Formerly a writer for ESPN.com, moved to the Memphis Grizzlies front office, and now he has transitioned back into the media milieu as uh, one of the premier NBA writers for The Athletic. His name is John Hollinger. You know who he is. You know how well he writes. You know how funny he can be. And if you know him really well, you know how much coffee he drinks. Here's our friend of the program, John Hollinger. We're visiting with John Hollinger of The Athletic. John, did you spend the entire time in Las Vegas? Were you there start to finish? And if so, how did you survive that? No, I I would never do that to myself. I did stay there for seven days, though. Um, I've actually never done the full tour. Um, if, even when I was with the with the Grizzlies, it, it rarely it never lined up where I was able to be there for the whole thing. Um, either because we were doing free agency stuff at the beginning, or that I needed to go back to you know sign players to do other stuff. So. Um, I've, I've never done it from start to finish. And, uh, fr- frankly, I don't really feel the urge <laughs> to about you, a week, a week is about my, my upper limit. I think. How, how do you, how do you cope with it? Cause I think five days is about my limit. How do you deal with, with seven and you're watching a lot more games than I am? Yeah. I, I mean, watching fewer games is actually the best way to deal with it. Like when I talk to the scouts there, it's interesting because, and this is what I had been doing with the Grizzlies too. Like you're trying to watch so many of these games uh, to, to, you know, keep tabs on all these younger players, but there's a point where less is more actually. And you just glaze over after a few games and you don't even, you don't even see what's happening in front of you kind of. Um, so it is really important to get out of the arena and do some other things. Um, so I think I've, found a pretty good balance this year where like, you know, over the course of a week, like, so like big picture, like I can go to a tournament with four games in one day and I could do four games and, and make it to the end. But, but the next day I'm like doing something different. Right. Right. So to do, to try to do that day after day after day, like, no, no, you can't, you can't do that. Um, so I found like a nice balance around two and a half games per day or so worked, worked really well for me. And I was able to see everybody I want to see in summer league and, um, and still kind of not glaze over and go catatonic and hate Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. And, (laughs) and, and and make sure you get your morning exercise in before 8am lest you, lest you melt out there on the sidewalk, which just, just, just crazy. Um, 
just broad brush summer league. What were the what were the big storylines? What were the big trends that came out of summer league for you, league wide? We'll we'll get to the Grizzlies in a moment, but but league wide, what impressed you? What did what struck you about summer league this year? The top of the draft has looked really good. I mean, the top six players in the draft were all fantastic. Um, you know, from uh, uh, you know everyone's talking about Ben Caro, obviously, and Chet Holmgren, but I think like Benedict Matherin might have had the best summer league of anybody. Um, I thought he looked great. Uh, even, uh, you know, Detroit's guys, Jaden Ivey, uh, looked really good before he went out with an injury. Jalen Duren, I think, looks like he could be a starting center very quickly, the Memphis kid. Uh, so I, I was pretty impressed with the rookie class uh, and especially the top of the draft. So now what, what about the Grizzlies? And you're looking at a team that they get Tyus Jones back. They resign him. But you lose Kyle Anderson in free agency. Um, and you trade away DeAnthony Melton. Fans are interesting, as you know, working in the media and with a team that if the team doesn't do anything, well, you know, or the fans start out, hey, run it back exactly the way we were, won 56 games. And if you don't, and then, so it's like run it back. But then when you do something, well, wait a second, what are you doing? But if you don't do enough, then it's like, well, what are you doing? You're not doing anything. And and sometimes fans fans can be kind of, kind of interesting that way and that's the reaction in, in memphis like well you know we hate that you traded d'anthony melton but you haven't done enough and so now you've got you've got you've got this rookie class a very large rookie class coming in where, where do the grizzlies sit in this whole thing well front office work is a thankless task <laughs> yes it um, is yes it is <laughs> but it's you know it's what we signed up for so that's fine but uh the uh it's interesting for Memphis because losing Anderson and then having Jaron Jackson go out for looks to be, you know, half this coming season, at least um, creates a real hole power forward for them. And it's really interesting to see how they fill that. They have a lot of candidates. I mean, they drafted Laravia, they drafted Roddy, they signed Blocked into a two way. Um, they, you know, you have Zaire Williams who could fit in there somewhere, although he's a little maybe thin for the four. Um but somehow they have to kind of piece that together. And, and what adding all these rookies did is it kind of took them out of free agency because they just don't have the roster spots right now. Um, Killian Tilly actually is another guy who ended up not playing in summer league, but could factor into this as well. Um, and that, that to me is the biggest question I think about this team uh, for the coming season is, is kind of how, how they navigate that, gap that's there at the four and really kind of at the five two now because you can't play Jaron at five anymore. So it's, it's really down to, you know, it's, it's Adams and, and Tillman now. Right. And, oh, and, oh, but, oh, but John, it's the season of Santi Aldama. Santi Aldama. San, I'm sorry. I forgot about season Santi. Of Santi. How could you forget there's about a, There's a lot of, there's a lot of <laughs> candidates at the four. Definitely. I mean, Santi had a really strong summer league. Um, and you just wonder how that all fits. I mean, the the thing they the thing they opted to do was kind of keep their powder dry, right? They they could have thrown draft picks into a trade for, you know, maybe something shinier. Didn't really see where the right opportunity was out there for them. Like I, I don't I don't think like trying to get in on the Durant thing, for instance, makes sense for where the Grizzlies are right now. Um now, Jalen Brown, maybe that's a different story, but he, you know, how available is he really? I think he's only available if you can get Kevin Durant back, right? Right. So, uh, 
the, so the Grizzlies have the pieces to make that kind of move. And I think at some point they probably have to look at that, but I think they're biding, biding their time in the meanwhile. I, I, I do think uh, the, the one thing that was interesting to me was like trading, uh, trading back in uh, into, into the thirties to get Chandler did really take them out of, out of some free agent possibilities because the roster spot was gone then. Yeah. Uh, speaking of shiny things like Kevin Durant, do you, do, does he move or is Sean Marks just asking such a high price so he can turn around to KD and say, I tried and we had no takers and you're going to end up playing here in Brooklyn? Or do you think a deal actually gets done with Boston with somebody else? I think a deal gets done. Uh, I think it might go to September, though. I, Brooklyn has all the incentive in the world to play this out as long as they can. But I think it's I think it's going to get to maybe a stare down in the fall where, you know, does Durant say, no, like, really, like, I want you to trade me. I'm not showing up, um, which he could do. He'd forfeit his salary. You know, we saw with the Ben Simmons situation, it could turn really ugly. But uh, I, I also... I mean, when somebody doesn't want to be there, yeah, I know he has four years left on his deal. Um, and if it were a lesser player, you'd just be like, you know, whatever, dude, like you have four years left on your deal. Uh, but uh, I, I think uh, for, for a player of his magnitude, I, th- I think it's, it's really hard to deal with that on, on the team side without going ahead and trading the guy. Uh, you know, we thankfully – we never really had that type of situation uh, in Memphis. I mean, probably the closest thing was like maybe with Rudy a little bit, but like we were so incentivized to trade him anyway because of our tax situation. It was just right. a completely different vibe. Um, so, uh, that, I mean, it's it's kind of wild to see how this how this plays out because I think it is is going to depend in part on how how far Kevin Durant is willing to take this. Right. Right. And then um, what about the situation in Utah with Donovan Mitchell? Nick's apparently hot to acquire him. Utah, they say, well, we really don't want to rebuild, but it kind of looks like you're rebuilding. That's a total rebuild. I mean, they tip this, our, you know, our friend Brian Windhorst, you know, (laughs) on TV in that famous moment. What's going on? Why why did they trade Royce O'Neal? Yeah. I mean, it's completely obvious what they're doing. I think, uh, you know, I think, I think Mike is a guy, Conley is a guy who could end up on a new team. Also, I think Bogdanovich, certainly um, Jordan Clarkson. I think they're going to cash out all those guys. It's a repeat of Danny Ainge's Brad Stevens strategy, basically. So I do think Donovan Mitchell will end up, with the Knicks, I think it's just going to ultimately end up haggling over price. And again, U- Utah has time to kind of drag this out for a while and see if the Knicks can bid against themselves or if another bidder comes into the race. Parenthetically, have you seen an uglier uniform than what Utah is going to wear next season? Oh my goodness. Those are, <laughs> and I mean, that's not like an alternate or a city edition deal either, right? That, that's, that's, the, that's That is the primary. That is the thing they're showing up in every night. That That is bad. It's like, you remember in the, uh, like in the 80s where they do the commercials and there'd be like, the one product, and then it would it would say other leading brand, right? The it's generic, like, like those jerseys. Yeah, those jerseys should just say other leading brand on them. Like, yeah, they're just the most generic 
rec league things you've ever seen. <laughs> um, some other league things. Uh, they finally addressed the transition take foul. I think much to much to yes. our delight. Do you like the way the rule is written and the way you think it'll be enforced? I think so. I mean, based on what we saw in summer league, I think the immediate impact was just, we stopped seeing take fouls. Exactly. Which is the thing we, re- which is the thing we really want to see. Right. And so I, as long as that continues, I, great. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's a win for everybody. That gets a thumbs up for me too. What I'm really concerned about is the midseason tournament that everybody's talking about in your conversations with people in Vegas. Do you get any, a little bit more clarity about what exactly Adam Silver is trying to accomplish with this? Is it do you shorten the season? How do you incentivize players in the middle of the season to stop down and play for, oh, I don't know, the Commissioner's Cup or whatever you want to call it, and then you stop down again for the All-Star break? I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to find the sense and the logic in this other than they'll all be national TV games. I've heard possibly playing them at neutral sites. Oh, I don't know, like Las Vegas uh, or yeah. Seattle or, or something like that. What, what's going on with this midseason tournament and why does it seem to be getting traction among the governors? I'm, I'm guessing because they have TV interests. I mean, that, that has, that has to be the reason, right? Because there's no, I, I mean, doing the early part of it is easy. You just have games that count as regular season and they count for the cup, right? Mm-hmm. That, that like double count. But then you get to a point where you have like, get it down to like eight teams and play a single elimination, you know, similar to like a European FA cup or something, except one of the cool things about those cups is that it's an open competition. It's not just, uh, it's not just teams in the premier league. It would be like if the, if the competition was open to not just NBA teams, but like Duke and FC Barcelona and, yeah. you know, whoever yeah, else. The, yeah. You know, some, somebody in the Sydney, ACB Sydney or Kings, NBL. Yeah. Right. You know, that would be um, interesting. Honestly, now, now yeah. that you bring it up, that would be interesting. Just have a midseason tournament among NBA teams. Like me, that yeah. doesn't move the needle for me anyway. Yeah. So I, I guess they think they can sell it. Uh, and, you know, it could be like a sort of a prize for teams that maybe aren't really competing for the championship, but want to, you know, have something to point to like, okay, we won the, you know, we won the cup this year. I just wish I somebody, know. I wish somebody would just come out and say, it's about the TV money. That's stupid. You know, and, and well, just, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But I wish somebody would come out and say that rather than, well, because how do you incentivize the players? To me, that's the thing when we're already talking about, you know, resting and load management and all these other things. And then now you throw something else in there. And if you don't shorten the schedule, then, then that's not going to fly. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll be very interested. They, they are going to have in-person NBA broadcast meetings this September and I will be eager to see if they put that on the agenda and, and try to give us an explanation for, for, for what they're trying to, to achieve with that. Um, the NBA has turned almost into the NFL, where it is 24-7-365. Not quite, not quite there yet. It's a little quiet right now. So, Mr. Hollinger, outside of soccer fandom, caffeination, when you get away from the NBA and the athletic, you get away from the word processor, the laptop, what – what 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 does John Hollinger do when he's not covering the NBA? Uh, I like to go hiking in the Pacific Northwest. Good choice. Uh, I like to travel in general, although that's been severely curtailed the last three years, unfortunately. Uh, so hopefully, I can uh, do something a little more adventurous this off season. We'll 
we'll see. Things are still a little, you know, hairy out there. But um, uh, what else? What else do I do? Um, that's a, <laughs> well, hiking in the Pacific Northwest could be a full time occupation anyway. Oh my goodness! There's it's an, an endless bounty of riches in Oregon and Washington. Yeah, absolutely. What uh, What do you have in the pipeline for the athletic coming up? Uh, so I just wrote something today about how the projected rising cap is really going to uh, impact teams and players. Uh, on, for instance, on some of the rookie extensions that are coming up, it's almost Im- impossible to overpay these guys basically. Um, and how it impacts, like even with players like Jalen Brown and Donovan Mitchell, some of the incentive to trade them now is because it may be very difficult to extend them later with the, with the league's cap rules. So it's going to be really interesting how this cap rise mimics and or is different from the cap rise in the middle of the last decade um, where, you know, we had the whole uh, Durant to the Warriors thing happen and uh, some other unfortunate contracts were signed that summer that we won't talk about. Um, But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this mimics and or differs uh, from that, because I think it, I think there's more opportunity for them to do smoothing now, which will help somewhat, but it's still this inevitable fact that you're, you're marching towards what could be like a $200 million cap from what was what's 120 right now, 114 last year. So they're, they're, you know, in a, in a time frame of half a decade, I mean, there's going to be impacts from that. Yeah. I mean, the, the economy, apparently we're headed for a recession, but business seems to be very good in the NBA. Every, everybody's making money, which is another good thing because there's a mutual opt out in the CBA and everyone's making too much money right now. I think for anyone to seriously contemplate a labor store, uh, stoppage. So. We don't, we don't even want to think about that. I've been through two of those and that's exactly too, too many. Absolutely. John, thank you so much for the time. Uh, let you get back to the hiking trails there in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. I miss it. I miss, I miss having Seattle on the NBA tour. More than more than anything else, that is that is the one thing. I hope someday they put an expansion team back there in Seattle, and uh, so I can get, can back get back up there to Pike Place. And I, yeah. I, I love I love Portland, but man, I miss Seattle. Yeah, fingers fingers crossed. Always oh, good to catch up with John, get his take on what's going on in the NBA, and uh, you can follow him on Twitter at John Hollinger, J O H N. H-O-L-L-I-N-G-E-R. And um, I see that John actually, he has an Instagram feed as well, uh, the John Hollinger. And, of course, you can follow him at The Athletic. And if you want to know anything about the NBA, following John Hollinger and reading his stuff is a pretty good and entertaining way to keep yourself up to date with what's going on in the NBA. We'd also like to think that the same could be said for the Grizz Weekly Grind. Brought to you today by DraftKings Sportsbook and by the Hoop City Basketball Club. Hope that you enjoyed today's show. Our thanks to John Hollinger for stopping by. And uh, look, we're still working on Amin El Hassan. Amin promised he would be on this show. Amin, if you're listening, I've been texting you. Get back with me and uh, and we'll get you on the show. And uh, we're also going to, we're also efforting an interview with one of the players from Memphis 901 FC. Going to change uh, change gears a little bit. Talk a little soccer on uh, this year' basketball podcast. So uh, that's some of the stuff that we're working on uh, this summer. Uh, going to get a couple of episodes in before I uh, 
get on an airplane and go over to uh, Paris. Really looking forward to that. All right, that's enough of me prattling on. Thanks again for listening to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pratica. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. We'll be right back.